0: Bibles tonight if you will please and turn to Matthew chapter number 28 and let me let me mention this to you if you are interested in going to the sight and sound uh, theater and you have questions then Miss Amy Marlowe is going to be available to answer those questions for you tonight some of you were asking about children and things like that and so she can answer all those questions for you and so just find Miss Amy after the service tonight if you will I want to take just a few minutes tonight, if I could, and uh, and just teach. This is going to be far different from Sunday night, okay? Um, and in fact, I'm working on a message right now that the Lord has given to me on the difference between preaching and teaching, and uh, and the purposes are different between preaching and teaching. and uh, And so, I think we're gonna we're gonna teach a little bit more tonight, but I, but I'll try to make it brief. I know you're uh, I, I know you're wore out. I know you're tired. And uh, so, we're not going to be lengthy, not going to be lengthy at all tonight. But uh, when you find your place in Matthew chapter 28, why don't we give you one last opportunity to stand, stretch your legs, get some blood flowing tonight, and uh, stir just a little bit. And I want to talk to you about this subject three days and three nights. Uh, what actually happened to the body of Jesus while he was in the tomb? Somebody had asked me that <clears throat> on Countdown to Courage. And. Uh, uh, we had just made a little appeal if folks had some Bible questions they'd like to like to ask. And, and so some folks submitted some questions. And one of the questions that was asked was, what, what happened while the Lord Jesus was in the tomb? And I started looking into that and studying on it a little bit. And I thought, man, this is so important that I didn't want to just answer it on Countdown to Courage. I wanted to answer it right here in our church. And so that's why we're doing that tonight. And so... Uh, look if you go, Matthew chapter 28 and verse number one. The Bible says, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with, with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And you may be seated tonight. And let's talk about this just a little bit tonight. What actually happened while the body of Jesus was in the tomb? And so let's go to the Lord, and we'll jump into this Bible study tonight. And uh, I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Father, we thank you for your goodness. And Lord, it's a joy to be back at Calvary. Father, thank you for allowing us to have this midweek service. Lord, to help us sort of get through the week, sometimes sort of sarcastically even, we refer to it as midweek refueling time, but it really is that. And so, Lord, thank you that we have this time. We can come together, uh, Lord, partially through the week here and enjoy fellowship and singing and music and uh, testimonies and prayer and missions, and then, Lord, some time around the word. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll bless our discussion tonight Father, I pray that it will please you. I pray that it will glorify your son. Lord, I pray that it will be interesting. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll be glad that we came tonight. Father, please help us now, Lord, as we do our best to teach the word of God. Father, accept the spirit of the Holy One come, though. Lord, all will be in vain. It's a Holy Spirit. Do that which I cannot do. Uh, Lord, where the arm of flesh fails... I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will bless. And I pray, again, that Jesus will receive glory and praise from all that's done. We love you, Lord, we praise you, Lord, and we thank you for your church. In Jesus' name, we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. I believe it's important for us to understand that Jesus Christ did die. And not only did he die, but I believe it's important that we understand that he was buried dead, Now, I guess that sounds a little elementary and maybe even sounds a little commonplace to to people like us. But again, I think it's important we understand that. And especially for those who are younger Christians in the church tonight, that the Lord Jesus Christ did most certainly die. And not only did he die, but our Bible tells us that he was taken off the cross and he was placed in the tomb and he was placed in the tomb dead. Now, Somebody says, preacher, why would you even take the time to bring that out? And the reason is because there are some who don't believe that. Uh, And so I want us to understand tonight that that when they took Christ off the the cross and they put him in the tomb, he did not just swoon. And, uh, And that's what some people believe in that what they call the swoon theory. In other words, they believe that Jesus Christ passed out on the cross, he was unconscious, They took him off the cross, he remained unconscious, and then they placed him in the tomb, they rolled the the, the stone against the mouth of the tomb, and then a little bit later, all of a sudden, Jesus regained consciousness. And after swooning, after regaining consciousness, he came out of the tomb. Now, you say, Preacher, you have a problem with that? Man, I got a big problem with that, because it's anti-Bible. It's not what our Bible says. The Lord Jesus Christ was not just unconscious. The Lord Jesus Christ died. In fact, our Bible says that he offered up the Spirit. He gave the Spirit up. He gave up the ghost. And so we know that Christ died. Say something else. Christ did not simply swoon, nor was Christ's body simply stolen from the grave. uh, Which is still reported, even to this day that we're living in today, that. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't really come out of the grave. His body was just stolen. The disciples came uh, and they stole his body away. Now again, I I don't want to stay there because that's not the message tonight. But I want us to understand that the Lord Jesus did die and he was buried for three days and three nights dead. Just like our Bible says. But while his body lay in the tomb, there was some very life-changing work that I believe was going on. Now before we get into that, let me just give you a little bit of an introduction and and say this, that thank God we can rejoice that on resurrection day, he was no longer in the tomb. Uh, And church, two ways he made this clear. Number one, he he made this message clear by publicity. What do you mean, pastor? He left his angels there on purpose to announce that he was no longer there. We read that tonight. In Matthew 20, verse number 5, the Bible says, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. But I'm glad he didn't just leave it off right there. He said, He is not here, for he is what? He is risen. risen. He's risen. He's risen from the dead. And so the Lord Jesus made this message clear by publicity, but not only publicity. But the Lord Jesus Christ made this message clear by visibility. Look at verse number two. Matthew 28, verse two, and behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Again, I want us to understand that the stone was not rolled away so Christ could come out. (laughs) The stone was rolled away so the world could see in. That's exactly what's going on. Why? Because Jesus wanted us to know. I'm not there. Jesus wanted this world to know that he did not stay in a place of death. And he did not stay in a place of darkness. And I want to just announce to the church tonight, he doesn't intend for you to stay in a place of death or a place of darkness. Man, listen, he doesn't want you to live in defeat. He doesn't want you to live in discouragement. He doesn't want you to live suffering from depression the rest of your life. Listen, just as Jesus Christ came out of the grave and away from that place of darkness, so does he want you to come out of that same place. I read something interesting. Interesting and sort of sad uh, at the same time. Just reading a little history. And it was said that in the early Greco-Roman world, that the most that the most widespread view was that at death, people simply ceased to exist. In fact, commonly placed on the epitaphs back in that day and time were these words, I wasn't, I was, I am not, I don't care. Now, again, I read that. Now, let me, let me say that again. This is what was placed on many You know, gravestones back in this day and time. I wasn't, I was, I am not. I don't care. Man, I read that and I thought, man, that is sad. (laughs) Isn't that sad? That people believe, and to this day people believe that. Well, we just, you know what? I'm born, but this is it. I'm going to live this life. Uh, you know, and I'm gonna get the gusto out of life and when I live this life, I'm done and, and I no longer exist. And uh, boy, I'm so thankful that my Bible tells me that as a child of God, not only when I die and I'm gonna exist, but thank God, I can even live the abundant life right now. I mean, right now. Uh, listen, one of these days when I die, I'm really gonna live. But I'm gonna tell you what, until that day comes, I'm planning on living right now. In fact, I looked at that verse, John 10, 10. You know, that verse, John 10, 10, says this. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly, more abundantly. And I looked up that word abundantly and there's the Greek word perizos. And it means this, in the sense of beyond. I love it. It means this, super abundant in quantity or superior in quality. Man, it's worth coming just to hear that tonight. You know what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying? When I save you and I regenerate you and I transform you, I have given you abundant life. Listen, don't you feel so sorry for these Christians that are living in constant defeat and discouragement and down in the darkness all the time? Listen to me now. I understand that all of us may visit discouragement from time to time, but whatever you do, don't you you stay there because that's not where God wants you to be. And I'll tell you something else, man, I feel sorry for those Christians who attend churches that are living in the grave. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and, uh, and uh, man, just walk into the church and there's no life and there's no peace and there's no joy and it's nothing but darkness and fussing and fighting. Oh, listen, Calvary, I'm glad I can tell you tonight that Christ is alive and so should we be. But what's going on? When the Lord Jesus Christ is in the tomb, he's actually in the tomb three days and three nights. And by the way, he was there three days and three nights. He wasn't there a day and a half or, you know, two days. He was there just like he said he was. He was there three days and three nights. He said, well, preacher, uh, yeah, but what about Good Friday? Yeah, what about that? And so we're going to, we're going to, Believe the Bible, amen? That's what we're gonna do. But anyway, let's talk about it a little bit, real quickly tonight. What was taking place during the three days that Jesus was in the grave? Well, how about this? Number one, I want you to notice that Jesus was securing our redemption. Now, what do you mean, preacher? Listen to this. Jesus had died, but there was more to our redemption than the Lamb of God just dying. There was, what I'm gonna call, there was a process of atonement. Now, we saw this picture throughout the Old Testament time and time and time again, but in the Old Testament sacrifice, the high priest would not only kill the lamb, but he would enter into the holy place. And once he entered into that holy place, he would there apply the blood of that lamb, that lamb without blemish, he would apply the blood to the mercy seat. And upon doing that, he was securing an atonement for sin. Listen, church, did you know that Jesus Christ has died? He has shed his precious blood on the cross and now he's been buried. Somebody says, Pastor, what's going on while Jesus is in the grave? He is now acting as our high priest. And he's went to heaven to apply his own blood to the mercy seat in heaven securing our redemption once and for all. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't even know this was a controversial point until I started studying it out. And there are some who believe that didn't happen. They do believe Jesus died. They believe Jesus died for the sins of mankind. They, they believe that he shed his blood on the cross. They believe that he went to the grave and came out of the, that he came out of the tomb, but they do not believe that Jesus went to heaven and there applied his blood to the mercy seat in heaven, securing your redemption. But I'm gonna tell you something. The Bible tells us he did that. In fact, I want you to look, look at it with me tonight. Even if we don't get through all these points tonight, it, it'll be good for us to see it. Hebrews chapter nine. Hebrews chapter nine in your Bibles. And uh, what exactly happened, Pastor? Jesus died on the cross. What, what happened then? Well, our, our, the writer tells us in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter nine and verse number eleven. Hebrews nine verse eleven, the Bible says, "But Christ, being come and a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves." Look at this. Look at this line, church. I'm in verse verse number twelve. But by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, how many know this? How many know that the high priest had to go there year after year after year? But our Bible says that when the Lord Jesus Christ entered into this heavenly um, uh, 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 tabernacle uh, and he applied the blood, the Bible says he did it once, once, once. Verse 13, for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, watch this now, watch this, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now church, I'm gonna tell you something, that's pretty point blank right there. And so, Uh, Pastor, what happened when Jesus died and went to the tomb? What happened? He became our high priest. And according to Hebrews chapter nine, the Bible says that Jesus Christ took his own blood, went to heaven, and the Bible says he entered into that tabernacle, not made with hands, and he took his own blood, not the blood of bulls, not the blood of goats, and he took his own blood and sprinkled his own blood on the mercy seat once and for all making redemption for you and for me. Can I get an amen right there? That's what's going on. He's securing our redemption. Now, I want you to do this because this is pretty exciting. I want you to turn over to Psalm Psalm chapter 24 with me, if you will. Psalm chapter 24. And there are some scholars who believe that Psalm 24 is is an Old Testament uh, psalm that gives us a little bit of a window into what I just taught when Jesus Christ went to heaven and sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat. That Psalm 24 is in fact a prophetical psalm or a prophetic psalm that really talks about this day. Now, Psalm chapter 24, um, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm not really sure that the angels really understand the gospel. I don't think they really understand redemption and salvation. Uh, and, and all of that. We know that 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 said that it is things that the angels desire to look into. But I do believe this. I believe the angels know the Son of Man has died. I believe they know that. In fact, can't you see, can't you see the angels in glory? You know, remember when, when, remember when the crowd was coming to take Jesus away? Peter pulls his sword. Y'all remember that? Wacks off Malchus' ear. Jesus picks it up, puts it back on. And he says, Peter, put up your sword. Don't you understand right now, if I wanted to, I could call 12 legions of angels. And church, don't you know, don't you know that those angels had to be waiting on his beck and command? Don't you know that Man, I can see these angels with gleaming swords and spotless shields and I can see them in heaven and boy, they're just saying, Master, just give us the word. Just, just, just say the word and, and we'll be there and we'll annihilate man from off the face of the earth. And by the way, they could have done it. But Jesus, they didn't take his life from him. He gave his life. And so Jesus has died. And I believe that the angels in heaven know that if heaven's flags have ever have ever flied at half mast, I believe they're flying at half mast right now. I believe that the, that the wings of the angels are folded. If there's ever been a spirit of mourning in heaven, it's now. The Son of Man has died. They watched as wicked men spat upon him and plucked his beard from his face and beat him without mercy and scourged him with a cat of nine tails and nailed nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And they watched as the, as the, as the, as the precious lamb of God hung between heaven and earth, stretched out and bled. They watched this. And I can just, in my mind, I, I can't prove this. Maybe this is speculation, but, but in my mind, I, I can see these angels in heaven in a state of mourning. Look at Psalm 24. And the conversation begins. Verse one, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Look at verse three, This, this is the angels. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. And all of a sudden, as these angels are having this conversation, all of a sudden, a voice rings out through the portals of heaven. In verse seven, a voice says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of Glory shall come in. And look what the, the heavenly host answers back. Verse eight Who is this King of Glory? And all of a sudden, the voice comes back like no other voice, and it says, The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O oh, ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Now, again, I'm just saying this, that if, that, if that's the case, and, and maybe some uh, some evidence of that, I'm just saying that when Jesus Christ walked into heaven, he came with his own blood and he was acting as our high priest, and the Bible says that he went into the in, there into the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, and he sprinkled his precious, perfect blood on the mercy seat once and for all, making redemption for you and for me. And so Jesus was securing our, our redemption. Now, believe there's something else. What's going on, preacher, when Jesus is in the grave? Well, not only was he securing our redemption, but number two, how about this, Calvary? Jesus was saving the Old Testament saints. He you say, preacher, what do you mean? The Old Testament saints, Moses, Abraham, Elijah, Nehemiah. Uh, you say, well, preacher, the Old Testament saints, they were in heaven. No, they weren't. You see, up until this time, the Old Testament saints were still being reserved in a place called paradise. And paradise is a section of hell, if you will, but one in which they were comforted. It's exactly why when you go to Luke 16 and the Bible says that that Lazarus died, the Bible does not say that Lazarus went to heaven. The Bible says that Lazarus died and the angels carried him into Abraham's bosom. Lazarus went to paradise. He didn't go to heaven, he went to paradise. And so these Old Testament saints are living in paradise, not heaven. Now, why is that? Because no one goes to heaven apart from the blood of Jesus Christ being shed. Nobody does. And so Moses was a righteous man, but the blood of Christ had not been shed. Abraham was a friend of God. He was a righteous man, but the blood of Christ had not been shed. Now, these men looked forward and they believed by faith but yet the blood had not been shed. And because when they died, uh, they they went to paradise and there Jesus comforted these men in paradise. But again, the blood of Christ had not been shed. When Jesus died on the cross and he, he went to heaven and he put his blood on the mercy seat, then he could take these in paradise and he could take them to heaven with him. Listen to, Luke, listen to Luke 23 and verse 42 uh, concerning the thief on the cross. The Bible says, and he, Jesus, and he, uh, and he said, unto, and the thief, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now again, I didn't know this one was controversial either. I guess this whole book's controversial. I guess that's what it is. And some scholars say Jesus never did that. Well, the Bible says right there. In Luke 23 and verse number 43, Jesus told that thief today that you're gonna be with me in paradise. So I guess he did go to paradise. Ephesians chapter four, verse eight, says it like this, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth, He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Now again, this is my point. Christ did not forget the saints. And so I hope I didn't lose you on that point right there. And so you understand that we're saved, we are saved by looking back to the cross How do do we get saved at Calvary? We look back at the cross. We say, we believe by faith that Jesus Christ, the son of God, died on the cross. He shed his blood. He, He was resurrected from the grave. And we believe that. And by believing that, we're saved. You understand that Old Testament saints, they looked forward. Now, they didn't know everything you know. But they believed those Old Testament prophets who said, one of these days, God's gonna provide a lamb God's going to provide His own lamb, and they even te- they even prophesied of where He was going to be born and how it was going to happen. And those Old Testament saints, you know what they did? They did the same thing we did, except we looked back; they looked forward. And they said, "We don't understand it all, but we believe it. We believe it by faith. We believe it by faith. And to show our obedience, we're going to bring the sacrifice to let everybody know we do believe it." And those men were considered righteous. When they died, though, they did not go to heaven. They went to paradise. Why? Because technically, technically, every man who's not covered in the blood of Jesus goes to hell. Now, Luke 16 tells us that there was a great gulf fixed there, and the Bible says those in paradise with Abraham were comforted. Lazarus was comforted, but that rich man was tormented. And so that that place where the rich man is, that place where King Agrippa is, we believe it's still there. We believe they're still there. We believe they're still being tormented day and night. And yet as they look across that gulf into paradise, paradise is now empty. Why? Because when Jesus Christ died and shed his blood and made that atonement, he went and got those faithful saints and took them to heaven. He did not forget them. By the way, aren't you glad he doesn't forget you? Man, aren't you glad he said this? He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so thank God he doesn't forget you either. And so, hey, number one, number one, we, we see Jesus securing our redemption. Number two, we see Jesus saving the Old Testament saints. Now this third one might be a little speculative, all right? And uh, this might be a little Pope doctrine here, but, uh, but anyway, I'm gonna at least give it to you and, and uh, we, won't, we won't debate over it. But, uh, but number three, I think there's at least a good possibility. You say, preacher, what was, what was Jesus doing? Uh, what was going on while Jesus was in the tomb? Well, number three, he was serving notice on the devil that he had finished the work of redemption and that the keys of death, hell, and the grave now belong to him. Now that, may have, that, that point right there may have taken place when Jesus came out, but I, I, but I got to believe it took, that it happened. Listen to what our Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Hey, church, let me tell you some good news. Did you know that you no longer have to worry about dying? People said, Preach, I don't understand you, Christians. You know, I don't understand you, Christians. I, you know, how is it that y'all can you know, that you're not scared to death to die because we know we have a savior that contains the keys. And so we don't have to worry about death. Man, listen, when when death comes for us, we're gonna really start living. And so Jesus was serving notice on the devil well, thank the Lord we don't have to worry about death. I, I uh, read the little story about a young lady, and she was, she was a young lady. In fact, she's 15 years old and she got stricken with some kind of a, a terrible disease. And little by little by little her body was becoming paralyzed and she was losing her sight. And back in this day, the doctors would come and make house calls. I remember those days even. And the doctor would come by and he he came by to check on this young lady and she was getting progressively worse. And and as he walked in, she was laying on the bed and her eyes were closed and she was losing her sight anyway. And and he said to her mom and dad, he said, uh, she has seen her best days. And she heard that. And when she heard the doctor say that, her eyes opened and she said, oh no. She said, the best is yet to come. And if you're here tonight and you're born again by the grace of God, I got great news. The best is yet to come. And so Jesus is securing our redemption. Jesus is saving the Old Testament saints. Jesus was serving notice on the devil. Let me close tonight by saying this. I love this. Hey, number, number four is this. Jesus was preparing to set up housekeeping. What do you mean, preacher? Well, look, if you will, at John chapter 14. And look at verse number one. John chapter 14, verse number one. Jesus says to the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And there, there the Lord Jesus Christ says those famous words, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. Listen, it wouldn't be many days from then that the Lord Jesus Christ would be going away and he was gonna start preparing a place. Church, I'm gonna tell you something, can you imagine what heaven's gonna be like? You understand that God did all of what God did in six days and he rested on the seven? I'm talking about all that you see, those pictures you saw of Utah tonight. God did all that in just a few days. These oceans that we saw down here at the retreat not long ago, God did all of that as he sculpted all that out you know, for the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean and, and all the mountains that we see. God did all of that in six days and, and, the, and the beauty of, of the creation that we see and yet our Savior's been away preparing heaven for over 2,000 years. Can you even imagine what heaven's gonna be like? And so in a nutshell, this is what I'm saying, church. Redemption was free for you but it cost jesus everything didn't it old old story but i hadn't told it in a while little boy was going through a magazine and he found a picture of a sailboat that you could you could send off for and it was a kit and you could get it back and so sure enough saved up his money saved up his money and he sent off for it and they sent it to him and there's a bunch of little pieces and little by little by little, man, he assembled that sailboat and put it together. And, and finally, finally, after many days, he got it all assembled. And then he, you know, he fixed it where it would, you know, where it wouldn't leak. And then he painted it. And then he shellacked it. And then he fixed the sails on it. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. And then one day he thought, you know what? I'm going to go down here to the little pond, the little lake. And I'm going to see if I can sell it. And so he went down and, man, he was just hoping it would, it would, float you know and so sure enough he got down there and he pushed it out and the wind caught the sails man it just boy it floated better than he thought it did I mean it took off and he waited out as far as he could wait to try to grab it but the wind just kept taking it out and out and out And, and finally he saw the sailboat his little sailboat he just poured his life into it and he saw that little sailboat just go completely out of sight and he was heartbroken man he went home that day and his mama said Did it work? And he said, it worked too good. He said, it sold off. And he said, I couldn't catch it. And he was just heartbroken. Days and days passed. And one day he was uptown and he walked past a little hobby shop up there. And in in the, the window, the picture window there in the store was his sailboat. And he thought, man, there's my sailboat. There's my sailboat. Man, he ran in and he grabbed that thing. And the store owner said, hold on, young man. And he said, sir, wait a minute. He said, this is my sailboat. He said, it's mine. And he said, son, he said, I bought that boat from somebody. He said, sir, I'm telling you it's mine. And he showed him little personal things that he had done. And he said, well, son, I'm, I'm sorry for you. But he said, I paid good money for that boat. And he said, you'll have to, you'll have to purchase it. And the little boy walked out of the Out of the store, man, again, he was just heartbroken. Went home, started, man, he started mowing yards and throwing newspapers and, man, he started raking leaves and started working and working and working, saving his pennies and saving his pennies and saving his pennies and finally got enough and he went back to the hobby store and he told the uh, store owner there, he said, man, I want my sailboat. And, man, he plopped out all that change and stuff all over the counter and the store owner said, well, I guess you've got enough. And he went over and, man, he grabbed that sailboat and he hugged that sailboat to his chest And he said, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine twice. He said, I made you and now I bought you. Hey, you know what, church? You're his, you're his twice. He created you and then we sinned and thank God he bought us, purchased our redemption. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, we love you. And thank you for the word of God. And Father, we thank you that you're alive. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have risen, that Jesus has risen from the dead, that he legitimately died and was buried dead, and yet he came out, a resurrected, victorious Savior. And Lord, now he has... He has acted as our high priest. And Lord, he took his blood, not just the blood of a lamb, but the lamb of God. And there, Father, on that mercy seat in heaven, he has purchased our redemption. Father, would it be okay tonight if we just did this? Maybe tonight before we leave this place. I know it's a Wednesday night, I know we're tired. I know people worked a long, hard day, but maybe tonight we could just breathe a prayer and say, oh Lord, thank you for saving my soul. Lord, thank you for dying for me and shedding your blood for me. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I hey, can I ask you a question? How long's it been? How long's it been since you just told the Lord, Lord, thank you for saving my soul. Lord, thank you for shedding your blood for me. You didn't have to do that. You could have let me die and go to hell. I deserved it. That's what I deserved. And yet you came and took my sin upon you and went to a cruel cross and there you bled and suffered and died that I might have abundant life. When's the last time that you just breathe those words to the Lord and said, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. If it's been a little while, why don't you do that tonight? Would you stand with us all over the house this evening? If you need to slip out and come to an old-fashioned altar and do that, you're welcome to do that. But if not, right there where you're standing at tonight, would you just say something like this, Lord, thank you for saving my soul. And Lord, thank you for making me whole. And thank you for giving to me your salvation so full and free. Would you do that right now? Just thank you, just thank you. Church, you know what, it's a shame, isn't it? When sometimes we'll go for days and days and days and never even think about our salvation. Man, what a plan. What a savior, what a savior. Real quickly before we go tonight, I wonder if there might be one here this evening who would say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that anywhere and you'd let me pray for you tonight? Preacher, if I died tonight, I am not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me right now? You'd slip your hand up and let me remember you. Can I pray for you tonight? I won't embarrass you. I see that little hand. I'm gonna pray for that one. Anybody else tonight, preacher? If I died tonight, I'm not sure. I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there another anywhere tonight? Father, thank you. Lord, what a plan. Lord, a plan that was put together before the foundation of the world. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me for shedding your blood for me, for becoming my high priest. And God, once and for all, making salvation and redemption for the sinner that I was. Thank you, Lord. I pray for this little hand that was raised. God, how I pray you'd give understanding. And I pray that they would soon come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we leave this place tonight. Lord, help us to walk out of here changed thankful grateful and we thank you lord in jesus name you can look up this way hey church i thought this little course tonight would be fitting for what we preached tonight why don't we sing this right before we go tonight And then we're gonna we're gonna meet about a couple things gonna let you go let's sing it together lift your voices up ready because he